Dr. Eileen Hale, the COO of TTELT, our Teaching Tips for English Language Teachers, a project of educators worldwide. And I have a special guest with me today, Dr. Brenda Custodio. Uh, Brenda is a former ESL teacher in Columbus, Ohio. She currently works in teacher education, training teachers with English language teaching methodologies at Ohio State University and Ohio Dominican University, as well as serving as a consultant in the areas of literacy, newcomers, trauma, and SLIFE. She also has served as an English language fellow in Rwanda in 2018 and 19, as well as the author of three books supporting English language learners. Thank you, Brenda, for joining us today. We're so thrilled to have you with us. Thank you for having me. So Brenda is going to talk to us today about building vocabulary to increase reading comprehension. Brenda, can you just share how you delved into this topic of vocabulary related to reading comprehension? Uh, yes, when I did my training in Rwanda, I was working mainly with elementary teachers and they, we're doing very basic work from their textbooks. And I felt like they needed a little more uh, exposure to the value of building vocabulary with their students, because we know that you don't have good reading comprehension until you know about 90 to 95% of the words uh, of the text that you're reading. So I just gave them some basic ideas for how to uh, build the vocabulary of their students. Yes, I totally agree. So can you explain for our listeners, what are the components of vocabulary development that you dive into with your teachers that you're training? Okay, so most of my teachers were at the elementary level. So they were working with um, like beginning level students who are working with in their English development. So I started off with sight words. Uh, sight words, we have a lot of words in English that you cannot sound out. You can't look at each individual letter and then try to put it together into a word because it just doesn't work. There are words that came from uh, either German or old English and they don't they aren't pronounced the way they look on paper. So we just have to memorize them and we call those sight words. Um, so I, I told the teachers that this is one place you need to start. And sight words are about 50% of the words on a typical page because they're the um, prepositions or the the uh, verbs that we use the most often, some of our common um, body parts and numbers, those are all basic sight words. So that's the first thing we need to start with, with our students who are learning English. Uh, the second thing we work on is word families. Word families in English have similar ending sounds. So just as sight words you have to memorize in word families, we've gotten hundreds of words that you can figure out by looking at the very ending of the word. And if you know how that ending sounds, you just put a different um, 
consonant at the beginning, and then you can pronounce those words. And this obviously works better with students who have a more um, extensive oral English vocabulary, but it also helps with students who are just learning to sound out words and then they can uh, pronounce them correctly. So that's the second thing that I uh, recommend teachers work with. Can you give a quick example of that? I agree with you 100%. It would be helpful yeah. for our listeners to hear some of those sounds. Okay, the so one, there are many word families. I'll give you some examples of those. Uh, A-C-K, ack. Mm -hmm. When you put a B at the beginning, you now have back. B-L, you have black. Um, S, you have sack. P, you have pack. Those are very common English words, but they all sound the same at the end. Um, other word families would be A-I-L, A-L-L. Uh, they're hard to talk about orally because they're almost something you have to see. But once you see them and you realize that putting a consonant at the beginning of this ending sound creates many, many, many of, the, of, the, of our words in English. I would say half of the words in English have these probably 20 common endings to them. Yeah, that is perfect. It reminds me of when you said AILs, I thought of instantly male, pale, sale. You know, right. it's very true. You can quickly come up with words. You could do competitions in class where you have the students see how many words they can come up with when you give them the ending. That would be a fun way to build the vocabulary as well. Right. They're also perfect for doing some simple poetry because most English poetry uses rhyming. And these are words that rhyme. So there's different, you can look at different rhyming patterns and look at very simple uh, poems, or you could have the students write some simple poems using these word families. Definitely. We've done other um, episodes on jazz chants and integrating yes. music. So as well, similar to poetry, you could integrate this with chants and raps the kids could do. So yes, absolutely. Um, the third type of vocabulary that I recommend teachers work on is root words and affixes. So an affix is something that goes before or after the root word. In many words in English, we have the basic root word. A lot of them come from Latin or Greek. And so they're similar to words that you would find in Spanish, Italian, um, well, Greek, obviously. So many of the different uh, Romance languages, they're going to have the same root words. And then when we add a prefix or a suffix, that's how we build the, the English language. So we take something that come, comes from another language and we kind of make it our own by adding prefixes and suffixes to it. So one example would be the word write, uh, such as writing with a pencil, W-R-I-T-E. If you use that word and you add a prefix to it, like re, you have rewrite, means to write again. Um, to pre-write means to write before you're actually getting ready to do your final writing. Um, and then writing, a lot of our verb uh, gerunds and uh, plurals and so on, we use an S for singular, we use the ED for past tense. Um, we change a word to a noun by putting able at the end of it, or we make it into an, um, 
adverb by putting ly at the end of it. So once you learn some of the basic prefixes and suffixes, it expands your, your vocabulary tremendously. And it also helps you as you're reading a word to be able to take it apart and figure out what it means um, by looking at the prefixes and suffixes as well as understanding some of our basic root words. Yeah, you're right. That tremendously increases students' vocabulary, as you said. Just taking a simple word like joy, I noticed in your list, and joyful, joyfully, uh, unjoyful. Yeah. <laughs> so Rejoice. Rejoice. Yeah, there's different. That's how we make so many words in English. We call it's another idea of a word family because that root word then gets expanded to, you know, 10, 20 different uh, varieties or, or forms of that word. So. Yeah. And again, a competition you could do in class to make it a fun game could be how many words can you come up with with this root word and right. have, see how many students can come up with the most words. <laughs> That's great. Yep. And another word that I, or another uh, example for how to build a student's vocabulary is to focus on multiple meaning words. Mm -hmm. Because again, in English, we have, we'll have one word that may mean three, four, five different things, depending on the context. And sometimes the word um, is a very common word, like the word table. And most students will understand that the word table is something that you sit at when you eat or when you write. But when you're in a science class and they talk about the water table or the periodic table, or if you're in uh, a discussion and you talk about tabling an issue, um, those are all different meanings of a very common word. And if the student doesn't realize that that word is used in different ways in different situations, they get confused and say, I don't see a table there. What are they talking about? So it's, it's another, uh, I don't know how common this is in other languages, but it's certainly an issue in English where students will know the more common use of a word, um, but they get confused when they see it used in a less common situation. Yeah, that's really important. Um, do you bring up these words intentionally and help them identify words that automatically have more than one meaning or help them realize or they just come up naturally in reading or in conversation? In other words, do you pre-teach for these words or let them come appear naturally during a reading and then discuss the multiple meanings, for example? I think you'd almost have to wait and let them come up in a... A reading or a discussion because there's so many of them it would get confusing to try to remember all of them. Um, I work mainly in teacher training so I try to focus uh, I show this as an example to my incoming teachers but I tell them you know these are so common for us that we don't stop and think about the fact that this word is used in five different ways in five different contexts mm -hmm. but for our students it can really be a problem so i ask them if you see a word that is one of these multiple meaning words stop and explain to the students ah oh, in this word bank means uh not the place where you put money but the side of a river and yes. 
it just helps the teachers to keep this in their mind as they are teaching, especially science teachers, social studies teachers who don't have the linguistic background that uh, an English teacher would have. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And one thing I've done with students as well is once you come up with those multiple meanings is have them keep their own dictionary where they draw pictures of the bank, as you mentioned, where you put money versus the bank, the river side of the bank, and maybe write a sentence using the word in different contexts so that they can remember the different meanings of the words in different contexts. Yes, yes. Well, wonderful. So you had talked with me about the three tiers of vocabulary words. Could you summarize for our listeners those tiers? This is very helpful information. Uh, yes, there's... Um... Something else that we talk about is English teachers. That often is not um, something that is covered in a you know math, science, social studies methods courses. So tier one are the words that are basic conversation words: bus, tree, house, car, um, bank. <laughs> Those kinds of words that most students will know, uh, especially if they're living in an English-speaking environment. They're going to just pick these up by listening to other students, by watching TV, by watching movies and videos. They're going to understand these basic words pretty quickly. It's those, it's the things that Jim Cummins says we learned in the first couple of years, that's social English. But then when you get to academic words, some of those are actually the multiple meaning words. Um, so the, the table and in a house would be a tier one word but the water table or the periodic table would probably be a tier three word because it would be more of a science type of thing. So tier two words are academic terms that are used across all subjects. Define, examine, uh, journal, um, brief, um, study. I, I, there's hundreds of them, but they're words that you use in an English and a science and a math class every teacher will be using those same words because they talk about uh, what a student needs to know and what a student does in a class. But tier three are specific to a particular subject. Photosynthesis, you know, you're, you're not gonna pick up photosynthesis by talking to your friends on the playground. Oh, look at the photosynthesis in that tree today. I mean, it's just not a typical common term. Um, so those are words that the teacher in a subject is going to focus on. So when I work with my English teachers, the people who are training to become English teachers, I tell them, don't worry about those tier three words. The students are going to get those as vocabulary in their algebra class or physical science class. But they do need to focus on is the tier two words, because those are the words that they need to understand for tests, for discussion, for uh, reading their textbook. Um, those are the words that's gonna be used in every class and they need to understand what those words mean, so. Fantastic. And together, tier one, two and three are considered the academic or school vocabulary, right? Yes, yes. Wonderful. Um, well, great. In summary, could you give us your quick summary teaching tips for our English language teachers globally that are listening to us today? Uh, I would just say that vocabulary is critical. So I don't, want, I don't think you should spend 
every day doing vocabulary. Um, I've seen teachers that put words on the board on Monday and they're going to have a test on those words on Friday. I like to see the words used in context. I want to see the words being discussed in class. As you read a story, talk about what that word means in that sentence. Um, I mean, we, we obviously need to build student vocabulary specifically, but if it's taught separately, sometimes it just becomes uh, an exercise, but you may not, if you don't use it, you're not gonna remember it. So the more you use these words, the more you see them used, they're going to become part of your um, mental vocabulary and your academic vocabulary. And you're gonna be able to yeah, use them in production as well as in reception, so. Definitely, That's... and as you mentioned, just to recap one more point is uh, how important it is to teach skills to decipher new words on their own with the yes. root word context. Yes. So yes, sight words, family words, word families, I should say, roots and affixes, prefixes, suffixes, multiple meaning words and academic vocabulary are all very important to build the reading comprehension. Yes. Thank you so much, Brenda. This has been a wonderful, insightful podcast for all of us and our listeners. I think we're all going to learn a lot and hope you might be able to give a workshop to go more in depth with our English language teachers that are out there listening. Okay, that would be nice. Thank you. We really appreciate your time today and uh, look forward to having you join us again. Okay. Thank you, Eileen. And follow us on our website, ttelt.org, for prior and new upcoming podcasts, our Facebook, TTELT group, Instagram at t.ttelt, and Twitter at ttelt1. Thanks for joining us today. Mm -hmm.